The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss the importance of first-party data. Joining us is Chris Savage, who is the CEO of Wistia, which makes marketing software, video series, and educational content based on the belief that anyone can use video to grow their business and brand. And in addition to providing us with our guest today, Wistia is also a sponsor of the MarTech Podcast. Yesterday, Chris and I talked about why marketers need to lean into first-party data, and today we're going to continue the conversation talking about how to create dynamic live videos. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Chris Savage, the CEO of Wistia. Chris, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you for having me. Good to see you again. Good to see you too. Always a pleasure to talk to you, have one of our sponsors on the podcast, and I'm excited to continue the conversation we started yesterday, which was about the need for first-party data. There is this trend where marketers need to start building their own audiences instead of relying on platforms because you can't get access to third-party data. It's not as effective to find customers on other people's sites. So you have to have a draw to your own. And that means we're all content creators these days. I don't think any of this is new news. What's challenging to me, to other brands, to our listeners is understanding how do you make something that is compelling that helps you build that first party data source. And this is where Wistia lives. So talk to me a little bit about creating content. How do you figure out how to make something that is dynamic and live and interesting to build an audience? So we've been spending a lot of time in this space. Um, We just launched a product called Wistia Live that's designed to make it really easy to make a really engaging live experience. But let me tell you why we did that, because I think that's the reason, hopefully, that other people should think about this. So we talked to tons of customers. We looked at the ways they're making content. We've been talking about marketing like a media company. How do you do that? How do you make the content, right? And the making of the content can be the intimidating part. That's the part that can stop people in their tracks. I want to make a podcast, but what's it going to be about? And who's going to be on there? And will it sound good? And will I be able to build an audience quickly? And where should I host and all these things? Like, There's lots of examples and lots of things that stop us from making great content. But one of the things that we saw in our research was talking to tons of customers, customers who had video producers on their teams, people who didn't, but were marketers trying to figure this stuff out themselves. We saw that one of the most consistent things that people were doing is if they made a webinar series and they kept doing it, most people would be like, we're never turning this thing off. 
and look at a lot of those webinar series that folks would make, they weren't getting a massive audiences necessarily each time. 50 people, 20 people, 100 people, 150 people. But that much attention live is a lot of attention. And because it's live, people can get in there, ask questions, better understand the product, better understand whatever the message is that's being communicated. And that led us to like dig a little bit deeper. And we realized that there was like a lot of complaints around all the things that it takes to put on a live event. How do you make the registration pages look good? How do you make the emails look good? How do I keep track of the people who are signing up? Once the event's done, I always need to take the asset, the video, and I need to put it somewhere else, or I need to trim out those awkward moments where we screwed up or before we started, or like when someone forgot to end the event or turn off their camera, what have you. And so my favorite, when the cat jumps on the laptop. Exactly. So we saw that there was basically a lot of people consistently creating content, saying it's successful. They're making these live events and webinars. They had a lot of complaints. And a lot of the tech that we've seen there has up until very recently been the same tech that existed 10 years ago, the web access and the go to meetings and those types of things. So we saw an opportunity to basically take what we had learned with our product we have called Soapbox, which allows you to do live switching between different video feeds and build something that was really, really simple and integrated into the platform, but that allows people to put on a live event that's actually engaging. And the secret is you have a bunch of different inputs of people like you and I right now having this conversation, or we have a couple other panelists and guests, and then giving you the power of the marketer to control that feed for folks such that it's like, maybe it starts with just you on the screen, then it's you and a slide deck that you've made, and then it's me and my slide deck, and then it's you and I up in like a conversation and creating this mode, we call it director mode, where someone can actually manage that for you live. And that person doesn't need to be a producer, they can be a marketer. And it's kind of stolen from just how live news works. If you had an anchor just sitting there and they never cut away with the anchor talking, it would be so blindingly boring. But because they have cutaways and they have these other little tricks that they do, it feels far more engaging. So we tried to take that power and put it into a product. And the goal being make it even easier for people who are doing these consistent things to level up the engagement of those events. There is so much to unpack there, and I'm going to start off with you telling me why I'm wrong. I've gone into creating the content for my audience saying, we are audio only, face for radio. What can I tell you, folks? I felt like my core competency was being able to communicate, create great audio, and I didn't necessarily want to get into video, and I felt like editing video was more expensive. And that's where I started. We've been doing the MarTech podcast. We're coming up on almost five years of publishing now. And I'm starting to think that I'm wrong. I'm starting to think that we need to capture our video. We need to edit that, create YouTube videos, syndicate them. We need to be broadcasting live instead of recording privately. Why was I wrong five years ago? And what should I be doing now? It's not even that you were wrong five years ago. It's the market's shifted and the audience expectations have shifted. Thank you for being generous with my ego. Go on. Of course. <laughs> the way I like to think about it is that the audience is in control. They get to choose how they want to consume. Some people want to read. Some people want to watch. Some people want to listen. And all you're really doing by creating the other forms of the content is you're letting somebody, you know, if you have the video form, there are some people who would want to watch the conversation, especially if there's any visuals or examples, like they will want to watch. There's some people who do not want to watch because they are going to consume this like in their daily habit, right? Whatever it is, they're going to consume this on their commute or they're going to consume this when they work out or when they go on their walk or before they go to sleep or there's some habits that's listening. And then there's some people who are going to say, 
yeah, I might rarely listen or watch, but I do always want to look at the episode and skim through the transcript or the notes to say like, hey, what are the interesting things I can learn from this? And it's my belief that people want choice. So you want to give them the choice is the first thing. And then the second thing is the technology exists now that it's easier to manage the video part. Like five years ago, you had to have the external camera. It felt like video editing was much harder. There's tons of tools today to make that much easier than it used to be. We have something at Wistia, which I'm proud of, that's not ready for editing a podcast, but editing something shorter, simpler you could do, or editing just a webinar where you're keeping 99% of the asset. But Descript is a fantastic product. There's a bunch of products now that are coming out and make it much easier to manipulate video. That's another thing. And then when the Apex content is video, you get it all. It's kind of that simple. So if you have the video version, you can have the video version. You can have the audio version. You can have the text. It's harder to add the video if you don't obviously record it. You're signing yourself up for more work. That's actually the big problem that we have is there's 1,400 episodes of the MarTech podcast that we've published, and we didn't record the video for the first like 1,300. Now we're recording the video. We're just not doing anything with it. You should start with clips. I wouldn't start with the whole episodes. I would start finding what you think are the juiciest clips and playing around with those on social, like playing around with those on YouTube shorts and playing around with those on Instagram and TikTok and see what happens. My podcast, I'm a video guy, but we said when we started my podcast just two years ago, we're going to start audio only. We're going to make this the easiest from a production standpoint. We want this to be as easy and fast as possible. So that's why we did that. And then after about a year, we were recording Zoom as a backup. We said, hey, should we just start releasing some of these video episodes and see what happens? And what we learned was on our site, the video episodes get like double the play rate of the audio and they have more engagement. Like people spend more time with them. Like, hmm, this is funny because it's not even optimized for this yet. That's like the secondary thing. But there clearly are people who have the demand to do that. Then we started taking clips from the show using the clips all on social. And that's, we've had a few like real hits through doing that. So it's been this like evolution. And I think if you have the assets, just find the small clips and use those and test those. And as you figure out what's working, it'll also probably change the show slightly in terms of the questions you want to ask or how you want your guests to record themselves or what have you. And you just like iterate and make it work. So where does live play into this? One of the reasons why I've been hesitant to go live is... I like to be able to have ad hoc conversations that aren't meant for public consumption with my podcast guests. I'd like to be able to say off the record, tell a dirty joke, and then we move back into recording the podcast. If I'm live, everybody hears my dirty jokes. They're not that good. Don't worry, everybody. <laughs> well, it's probably not a good thing to do live. You're right. I'm not saying everything should be live at all. I think when you're doing the live stuff, make it a special event. It does change, you know, in a podcast world, it changes what the experience is for the guest and the host or the conversation in general adds a level of pressure to it. But that same reason is why people will watch it is because they know there's the added pressure and the excitement of seeing what's like going to happen. It feels like you're getting it unfiltered. So it's a different medium, right? I think we do see that in a world where people are afraid to sign up for things or they don't want to just like put in an email address to get like a PDF, people will sign up with an email to go to a live event. That feels like a very low price to pay for something that's high quality. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like people would give their email address to learn that I am truly a dumbass without my editor. Panos, thank you for all your hard work. I know it's been a long haul the last couple of years. (laughs) We love Panos. We love Panos. You were going to say something, Chris. I just think putting on an event and making it the experience really good, the tech has just changed dramatically. We have this. There's other products that have this. StreamYard has this. 
but the ability to have multiple people on camera switch between them and different feeds, you're basically switching it from something where you had to have the expert sitting in the room with the panel and OBS, like controlling it for you so you can do it yourself. So it's just an enabling technology that suddenly allows you to make something that feels much more engaging, but also more confident. We've had and seen customers who they just have like a background slide ready to go. You have a problem with somebody, whatever, you throw up your like technical difficulties thing and people love it. And so it does require more prep and planning, but in terms of actually back to the building that owned audience, you will get people who want to sign up to be in your audience if you can give them something live in a way that's harder to do with a lot of other mediums. All right. I've got two more questions for you. One, you mentioned the have your technical difficulties slides and that there's a little bit more planning that you need to do to be ready to go live. Give me the five things that you need to do to be able to go live for the first time. Technical difficulties. Let's count that as one. What are some of their assets you need? You know, if you're doing a webinar, you're explaining something or you have just a conversation with somebody, I would always have the simple deck ready to go. That's the title and whatever the agenda and give people the simple cues that they need. If you're doing a presentation in person or you're having like someone come and do a fireside chat, you would have something there. You need that same thing. I think you want to check in on the tech with people beforehand. You want to create the place where people can sign up so that they can actually know where they're coming back to, where they're going to experience this. If you're doing something broad, you can do simulcasting and and publish it to many. You know, you can make it exclusive and have it only be something that is available to people like on your website, or you can make it something that's pushed across all social platforms. I think you need to think about that. And you need to give yourself time to market the event, right? Like you need to build the hype. I would say the thing in all of what we're talking about that is just really important with using marketing like a media company is the secret to a media company is that their content is the product. So when you think of your own content as a product, you think pretty differently about how you market it, how you tease stuff, how you cross promote, all those types of things. And I think it's just, you need that same kind of approach here. You totally answered the second question I was going to ask is, how do you figure out when you're going live of where to stream? What is the channel selection? Should you be everywhere? Should you be exclusive? Walk me through the strategy for picking where you're going to put your live content. I'll give you an example. There's a company called Spark Toro. Rand Fishkin's company. Yeah, Rand's the best, nicest guy in the world. So they do office hours and they usually do it at least once a month. And they just did their first true like event, which was five different, six different virtual sessions. His approach is you can only see it if you come. There's no other recorded version of this because they want the exclusivity of this. And he's talking to marketers and he's getting other marketers to come in and share stuff that they wouldn't normally share feels really special. And so his approach is you have to come here. It's the only place. And they're going to get tons of emails and tons of people signing up because of that. And they're also going to get a lot of engagement in the chat in their community. And if you go to one of their events, you see that like the community is just nonstop commenting and going. If you're doing something that's more brand oriented or broader, I would say, and you're not looking for the exclusive kind of thing, you're looking more for reach, then that's when you would simulcast and you would do it to whichever platforms you think your audience or your customers are on. So we do both personally, like at Wistia, we do some things completely exclusive, but we did a major product launch. We basically let people come to the place and comment in the virtual event if they wanted that connection. And then we simulcast everywhere else so that like, if you happen to be on LinkedIn or Facebook or something and you follow us, you would also see this, but you wouldn't be able to ask questions and be as connected. We live in a brand new world. We've gone from the idea of our content generation was going to be blog posts. Maybe you were putting white links on white text and trying to game the system. Eventually, we got into social media, flat images. Now we're looking at videos as 
marketing programs. And we're on to the point where streaming yourself live in a professional way that looks similar to what a media company would produce is now not only possible, but it's table stakes. And that's what Wistie is here to help us with. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Chris Savage, the CEO of Wistia. If you'd like to get in touch with Chris, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is csavage, that's C-S-A-V-A-G-E. Or you can visit his company's website, which is wistia.com, W-I-S-T-I-A.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.